Let me make sure this is on right. Give me a second. All right, so while I'm doing this, I have homework for you guys. All right, so if you're near somebody, if you're not, I guess just talk to yourself. That's okay, too. Um, just really quickly, um, tell somebody near you what your favorite ice cream is and why. Ready, go. No fights. People can have their opinion. But this is a very, very important topic. So, very, very, very important topic. All right. Greg, did I, I mess something up? No, we're good? Okay. All right. So, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be here today. Um, uh, my name is Nate Templin. I am the, I saw on the screen, it said, SE Regional Director. I like that. So I'm the Southeast Regional Director. Uh, so I get to work with your church in a network of about 33 churches in uh, Southern Colorado, from Westcliff to Kansas, from Pueblo to New Mexico. So that's the area of churches that I get to work with, and um, your church is one of them. The beauty of Southern Baptist life is I don't tell you what to do, you tell me what to do. So I get to support your church and other churches like yours around the area, and uh, you direct me as to what I do. Um, and so I appreciate the opportunity to be able to do that. We can do that uh, because we have also, because we cooperate financially together through the cooperative program. We cooperate together through the Colorado Missions offering. We cooperate together through our associational givings. Why? Not because we need to pay people stuff. We do that so that we together can get to places that don't have the gospel and so that we can help churches in need. And so um, that's what I get to do. That's a little bit of me. And a lot of you guys know me, so I don't have to go deep into that. But you also, a lot of you, some of you maybe would know that I grew up in Mexico on the mission field. So I am a cooperative program kid. Uh, our cooperative program is the monies that are thousands and thousands of churches around the nation put in together so that missionaries can stay on the field. We have over 3,000 missionaries internationally that do not have to come back and raise support. Well, I grew up in Mexico on that mission field. Um, as part of that, um, and so my parents, we did come back every six months, but that was so that we could change our visa out. That was not so that uh, we could raise support. And so it's a pretty cool thing. Every four years or so, we'd come back as missionaries, they called it furlough. It was really going around and talking at a lot of churches and still it was a lot of ministry. It wasn't just rest. Um, but we get to do that together and missionaries get to stay and pull full, put all of their efforts into reaching the lost in other countries because churches like yours say that's important. So we want to be part of the bigger picture. The beauty of the cooperative program is, guess what? Only 2% of the cooperative program goes towards anything administrative. Everything else goes to national missions, international missions, seminaries. All of that money is pouring into actually the work. And it's not pouring into just people that have a job. So just want to make sure that's clear. We also do that as Colorado uh, with the cooperative program. But growing up in Mexico, we, I lived in Jalapa, Veracruz, which is where the word jalapeno peppers comes from, if you didn't know that. 
is where I lived. But in Mexico, we actually spell it right, and it's with an X, not a J. Uh, the reason that you have jalapeno peppers is not because they're from Jalapa. They're actually from Puebla. So, but the guy was from Jalapa, and he came to the US, so for some reason we call them jalapeno peppers. You're welcome for that very random <laughs> fact. So I grew up in Jalapa. It was a town, a small town in Mexico of about 600,000 people. And uh, I, you could say I was an active kid. And uh, as part of being active, uh, I, I mean, I'm paying for it now physically um, because I played a lot of sports on dirt and cobblestone and brick and cement. And one of those times I was playing soccer, I believe, and it was on uh, some kind of hard rock. And I fell and my knee kind of started hurting and it swelled up a little bit. And so as any good child would do, I went to dad and I said to dad, uh, my knee is hurt. Um, and as any good father would do, he said, suck it up, buttercup. Um, so dad was like, oh, it's probably just a broken bursa sack. It's a little bit swollen. You'll be fine. Um, so I said, as any good son would do, okay. So I, uh, six months later, um, I was like, hey dad, my knee is still swollen and it still hurts. And as any good father would do, he said, go see your mom. So I went and I talked to mom and mom was like, as any good mom would do, she said, let's go to the doctor because that's what people do. Um, so we went to the doctor and the doctor x-rayed it. Sure enough, it was cracked. Um, there's a bone on the front that when you're growing at about that age, the, a, lot of, a lot of teenagers, 13, 14, break that bone because it grows quicker than others. And so I'd crack that bone, and guess what they did? They put a full leg cast on, okay? So I don't know what the word is in English, but it's, it wasn't fiberglass like today. It's the uh, cast, whatever it is. And so it was from here all the way down to the ankle. Uh, it was a really long cast. And by the way, I did break two of them. Because uh, casts don't always stop your activity. I could ride my bike, though awkwardly. I could ride pretty well. Um, and so they, the last time they did it, the doc said, I'm, I'm doubling up on your cast. Well, you know, as you guys would know that have had a break, you know, you, you carry that thing for a while. And I could, I could be pretty active. Um, I, you know, I, I thought I could do things. And, you know, you can, you can kick the ball. You can do some different things. But it really hindered the, the amount of stuff that I could do. Well... Luckily, after three months, they sawed either side of that, and they put a wrap around it so that I could, uh, I could finally get out of it in a week. So we get home. I remember the day I was standing by the front room table, and uh, I'm standing there. Mom's taking the wrap off. First of all, you, you know how bad, like, teenagers smell already, right? <laughs> so imagine a place that hasn't been touched on the teenager for three months, Okay. And the water has not touched it, it has not seen it. So they take that thing off, and you know, in the shows there's like that green, like smoke that goes through the room, right? Woo, the smell was amazing. And I was like, why is my leg so small? Three months it had been in this full leg cast, and, and then there's that moment of, ah, right? You can scratch that, that leg, and that, you, you, I mean, you've been sticking sticks down in there, and you're like, yep, there's part of that stick that was in there a month ago, right? So you're scratching that thing. And then I was like, oh, finally, I scratch it. And then, I, and, then, and then you do what you normally do, right? You're like, okay, now, all right, mom, I'll see you later. I went to take the step and I, I almost fell down, right? Why? Because my leg had atrophied, right? 
my leg had atrophied because I hadn't used it for three months at all, right? You're, you're not using those muscles, and when you don't use muscles, what happens to the muscle? They disappear. So slowly it atrophied, and it was this little bitty leg, uh, and, and so it was this weird atrophy that had happened, and it took a while, but, but what I had to do is I had to start exercising. I had to start doing things and do some rehab. Back then, you know, we, I don't, I'm pretty sure, at least in Mexico, we didn't have physical therapists, so it was like, well, walk on it. And so I walked on it, and slowly but surely, I just kept, and it, it would hurt a lot. It, I mean, you haven't bent that leg for three months. It was very, very painful. And so, uh, but slowly but surely, I built back that muscle that had atrophied. And eventually, I was able to continue to play sports in high school and in college, and, and it was fine. I, f- I, feel like, I feel like as Christians, if we're, if we're to be honest, I, I, think, I think sometimes we, we're kind of atrophied. I, I think as Christians, from the lack of use of the spiritual muscle, I think we, we have a tendency to get atrophied. And, and, and when, we, when we don't act out on our spiritual um, call of God, it's really easy to become atrophied and, and, and not be able to use what God has meant for us to use for the good of others, right? If we don't work out our faith, and, and I know you feel it. Listen, we live in a broken world, and to some extent we will always have that, and we're always going to battle that. But we have our part in this, where we should live out and we should work out our faith in action so that we don't become atrophied. What we're going to do is we're going to jump into Ezekiel. So this is one of the most iconic passages um, that I think is in scripture. And, and I didn't realize my boys hadn't heard it. So this was really cool. The other day I was like, hey, hey boys, hey, do you, you guys know the story of Ezekiel and the dry bones? And they're like, the what? And I was like, I failed my kids. I failed my kids. They've never, so like right then I got the Bible out and I read the story of Ezekiel and the dry bones. And so this iconic passage, what we're going to, we're going to jump into and, uh, We're going to start in chapter 37, so if you do have your Bible, I know some of you are like, I already know where it's at. You're way smarter than me. I had to look it up. So it's in Ezekiel 37, and we're going to go 1 through about 14, right? Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. So if you have your electronic device, your Bible, I think it's on the screen. There we go. All right. Here's what it says. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. Okay, so just really quickly, I need, I need you to capture this picture in your mind. Um, so you've been to the, uh, you've been up by Alamosa, Monta Vista, the sand dunes, right? Yeah, it's dry. So just imagine being up in this valley. Just, it's, it's a dry valley. It's a huge valley. Except for suddenly you're there and there are dry bones everywhere. Imagine, imagine so, so put yourself in this story as you think about what he's seeing. Experience what he's experiencing. It'll help you with a deeper understanding of the truth of what God is trying to say. Okay? So that's the picture. So you're suddenly in a valley. 
It's a super dry, just go out east, okay? If, you, if you've been out east, there is nothing out there. I lived in Cheyenne Wells. It was an hour and 15 minutes from Walmart. And I got news, that means it's the middle of nowhere, okay? There's nothing out there, just imagine all these dry bones. And it was full of bones, it says. So verse two, and he led me around among them and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, and this is a very smart answer, by the way. Uh, Sometimes with God, I don't know if you want to say yes or no. You'd be like, and so his answer is, oh Lord, you know, right? God's question is, can these bones live? And his answer was, oh Lord, you know. It's a smart answer. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound And behold, a rattling, and those bones came together bone to bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and the flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he had commanded me. And the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And this is where the explanation starts to happen. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. What a crazy story. (laughs) So I can imagine Ezekiel being whisked away what, what is happening at that point? Where's Israel? They're in exile. And they've probably been in exile away from their homeland for about 10 years at this point. I'm not patient to wait for something that's going to happen a week from now. Can you imagine 10 years? Okay, they had been conquered and they had been taken to different places. The leaders here, the people there, these people here, these people there, right? They've been scattered. And what's their cry? 
I'm sure initially their cry was, oh God, have you forgotten us? What is happening? Why are your people? You chose us. You chose us as your people. That had been their cry, right? And now they've been scattered, not just scattered, but now they've been scattered and gone in exile away from their homes for 10 years. What were their questions now? Were they starting to intermingle with other religions? Were they... The real question is, why were they in exile? They were in exile because they had forgotten why God had chosen them. They'd forgotten that God had chosen them to make himself known to all peoples, to bless all peoples through them. And somewhere in the midst of that, they became apathetic toward the things of God. They were comfortable. Comfort, honestly, leads towards apathy, right? They'd become comfortable in this land that God had promised and given them. And in the midst of that, in the midst of their comfort and their apathy, they stopped exercising their spiritual faith, right? They started pursuing other things. They were forgetting about God. And so I would say that apathy leads to spiritual atrophy. Spiritual apathy, the not caring, the stopping caring about about things spiritually leads us towards spiritual atrophy, which is the wasting away. This is what had happened to Israel. This is why they were in exile. This is what this passage is speaking to. And this passage is actually a passage of hope. Can you imagine the dry land and it would have been like springs of water to the ears of the Israelites? That God is saying, this was, is you, is you, but there is going to come a day when I am going to bring you back to life and bring you back into the land. What a crazy message of hope. The word for breath that's used there is the, and the word, there's a word for breath, wind, spirit. You see all of those, there's within that passage, that really short 14, 14 verses, spirit, breath, and wind are used a lot and it's actually the same word. And so, when you see this happening and he's experiencing all these dry bones, what does God have to do to bring those bones back to life? Well, the first thing he does is he's like, command them to come together. You can imagine the weird clanging and like the horror movie kind of a thing that's happening in that moment of all those bones coming together and suddenly there's sinews. He's watching this happen in real life and, and these muscles being wrapped around these, these bones and then skin coming upon them and it where are they at that point? They're still dead. They appear alive. They have all the signs, all the appearance of life. They've got skin. They have faces. It's a huge multitude of dead bodies. What has to happen for those dead bodies to come to life? the breath of God. 
the Spirit of God. So your mind should immediately go to Genesis 2, where God formed with his hands man and woman. And he formed, he, he, he formed the man, right, out of the dirt. He formed him. And, and what did he have to do for Adam to come to life? What did he have to do for that creation to come to life? See, the other ones he spoke into being. But humankind, he created with his hands, and he, had, and he did what? He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. That's what's happening here. He is resurrecting these dry, brittle, wasting away bones that at some point were people. And he is bringing them back to life. First with the putting them back together and then breathing the breath of life into them. And then it was a great multitude. And what was the reason what, what was the outcome of breathing life into them? Did you catch that piece or did you just breathe over it? So that you would know, so that Israel would know that he had done it and that he was God. Israel had become apathetic to the Lord their God. They had lost a vision for who God was. Not just what he did, because, listen, we forget what God does like the next day. These are people that knew the stories of the pillar of fire and the cloud and the parting of the sea and the, all these massive amounts of things that, that, that their peoples had seen, right? They had seen this rescue and the plagues and all of those things. Their their parents and their grandparents, they had been told all these crazy things that God had done. But somehow, they had forgotten who God was because they had grown comfortable and apathetic. And it started leading towards spiritual atrophy. And now they were in a place that was not their home. They were, they did, they'd never been there before, right? They're in a foreign place with a foreign people, not knowing if they would ever return home. And in the midst of that, God tells Ezekiel, tell my people that I will resurrect them to be a people in the place that I promised them because I've chosen them that through them I would bless all of the earth. And it wasn't, it wasn't because they were great. It wasn't because they were doing really good things. It was because of who God was. Imagine the message of hope that that was. When I think about us and I think about this story, what it takes me to Jesus, right? Like nine out of ten people you walk around daily, walk by out there, have the appearance of life, 
but are dead. And only Jesus can resurrect them from the dead to new life. But you who know Him, you who walk with Him, you who have received the forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ, have you become dry? Have you found seasons of apathy? Do you feel atrophied in exercising your faith? See, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And the only way for you and I to recover from that atrophy is through his resurrection in our life. What are the signs of atrophy spiritually? Do you do you see it in your country? Do you see it in your community? So it's easy to go I can't believe that's happening. I've got news. It's happening because as believers, we become dry bones and we're not living the life that Christ has called us to. Would he breathe new life into you spiritually? Would he resurrect you from the dead so that his purposes would be made known, which is what? That others might know him. But really, I just want to give you a message of hope today. When you feel atrophied, when you feel wasted away, when you feel like you're laying in a valley of dry bones, the only answer is, is running to the only one that can resurrect that within you. We see it in our communities. We see it in our lives every day. We look in the mirror. We see it in our families. We see it in our churches. But remember, this is not just an individual atrophy. This is also corporate. As a people of God, Israel had forgotten who they were and why they were chosen. As a people of God, God wants to resurrect us from the dead. That we would be his people, unashamed, so that others may know that he is Lord. Ezekiel had a vision of these dry bones. Because God wanted him to understand that it is only through him and for him that he would bring new life to those bones. And that it was no different for Israel. And I would tell you it's no different for you and me today. If you're dry, he's the water, right? If you feel 
dead, he is the life. If you feel lost, he is the way. The only way for you and I to have any hope in this world is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, both for eternity and in our lives daily. My challenge to you is, where is it that you feel atrophied? Spiritually. Because it happens over time. You don't start that way. You're headed that way, and you took a little deviation. Suddenly you're over there, and you don't recognize that place. He's the way back. But how do we get back to spiritual vitality, both individually and as a church? It's through crying out to God. It's on our knees crying out to God that He would do something that only He can do. And it's for His purposes. So today... Would you cry out to God? Do you need the hope that he brings to you of life? Listen, it doesn't matter what's going on within your life. He's, he's still the life. No matter how hard it is, no matter, no matter how deep it feels, no matter what you've done, he's the life. My prayer for you as individuals, as a church, and as our churches, is that we wouldn't be dry bones. That we would recapture and rekindle the spiritual vitality, but we only do it through exercise. That we would get on our knees, that we would cry out to God, and that He would be our hope that he would breathe his breath into us. And that as individuals and as churches, we would return to a place that he has promised, which is with him. He's the answer. You're not. I'm not. He's the answer. I'm going to pray for you guys. I would just ask you... Um, as I pray, that you would pray this with me, and as we sing afterwards, that you would cry out to God, that He would bring new life on your bones, that He would give you the rest that you need as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that you would fear no evil. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be together. Thank you that these tri bones standing up here can live. But it's only through you. And that every day as I atrophy, as I grow apathetic, that I would remember you, that I would cry out to you. And yeah, it may take a while, just like they didn't return for a long time. But knowing that you have a plan, it gives me hope. Lord, I pray that you would give each person here that hope. 
that they would cry out to you for your breath to bring them life. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.